This is John Deek concluding the celebration of 25 years of the very young composers with great gratitude to the New York Philharmonic. This is a piece by our VYC manager, Jessica Mays, called Out of Blue. This is scene 40, which is an interview with Jessica Mays about our vision of the future of the very young composers. I have before me here, actually, Jessica Mays, who is our manager of the Very Young Composers, and she has, oh my goodness, she has beguiled all the students, the parents, and tens of thousands of audience members who have heard her just recently, in June of 2022, introducing two pieces of the Very Young Composers to the crowds that were assembled in Central Park and Brooklyn uh, Prospect Park, totaling, oh my goodness, somewhere near 100,000 people. Anyway, here's Jessica, who has become such a major figure in the Very Young Composers. Hi, Jessica. Hello, John Deke. <laughs> right. Happy 25 years. Happy 25 years, and it has been. It's been a struggle, but happy. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's just get into some of the background of this. Sure. Since a lot of, this, uh, a lot of these podcasts have been uh, involved with the background of how the VYC started and how it mm. grew into what it is. Mm -hmm. Since you've become such a major part of the VYC, Let's go back and ask you just about how you in, became involved in the first place and what was it that attracted you to this kind of work? Sure thing. So um, to do this, I'm going to introduce you all to a bit of my history just so you get a little bit of context on what led me here. So you're going to hear a bit of my journey. And John, feel free to step in. You know, I'm, I'm just glad to be talking with you. And what age did you get the, the bug to compose your own music? So I would say I was about seven, seven years old, maybe six. And I had inherited my, um, I don't know if I actually inherited it. I took my older brother and sister's 36-key uh, Casio keyboard, which had like demo tracks and different sounds on it, and you know, like bleep and bloop on it, and play little melodies. And I just had this habit of creating patterns and sounds and little pieces on my own at a very, very young age, except I had no concept of this being um, composing. Of course, it was just play. This was just me playing with sound, and it was so much fun to do, and I had a knack for it. Did you have encouragement to do this, either from your parents, your siblings, or anybody else? I mean, in the sense that um, my parents noticed that I was, I was drawn to the piano, so they got me piano lessons, and it was a while before I did actually inherit my grandmother's spinet piano, which is permanently detuned, a quarter tone flat. There's no way that it could be tuned. But still with that, <laughs> as much of a shock to my system that was, was just like, this feels, it has this particular sound to it, but it's beautiful in its own way. And yeah, I, I was inseparable with the piano. But not just learning pieces, like learning, I learned my skills and I really excelled pretty quickly at a young age at the piano. Mm -hmm. But thinking 
of the composer, thinking of Rachmaninoff and Chopin and, you know, Thelonious Monk and Vince Giraldi, you know, like thinking of all these different pianists, all these different composers and like imagining, pretending that I could be, I could be that, but it didn't feel Mm. like pretend, it didn't feel like pretend, it felt like a real thing, it felt like a real possibility. And so that Mm. was a big part of my imaginative play was being at the piano and just knowing that I can do what they're doing. (laughs) And I would create all these melodies and harmonies and it was just an escape for me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, my, my parents were encouraging. I, neither of them are musicians. So, you know, I, I think there is a difference with kids who have that support where they have a couple parents who are like artists themselves who've gone through it themselves and maybe have the, they have their own expectations of where their child should be creatively or I, I don't know. But yeah, my dad's an engineer mm-hmm. and I think my mom at that time, she was working in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think I had the awareness to actually talk about the fact that I was creating these little melodies, like it didn't feel relevant to my piano lessons, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because later down the line when I ended up um, teaching myself, like doing private lessons, that became a huge part of how I informed the child how to learn scales, how to learn different techniques at the piano. You have to do it through creativity. Like How? yeah, so if you are going to learn how, if you're going to learn a G major scale, you're going to compose a piece. You're going you're gonna to work in that sound world and make it your own. The idea of like learning these different techniques, um, learning, learning the technical um, music, theory, music theory elements of, of music and, and playing an instrument, but through the lens of you have creative agency, you have ownership over this sound world. Like so you, you didn't get own. that from your teacher, your parents, or your siblings? You got it from yourself. I, Would you yeah. say that you were musically gifted or just I was enthusiastic? A, I think all <laughs> kids have, have a gift, okay? They are all gifted with access to this incredibly expansive imaginative universe. We are all born into that. Ah. What we need to do is learn different ways of cultivating access to that. Mm-hmm. Humans have so much potential. Like look at where we've evolved as a species. Like the way that we have, you know, built entire worlds, our architecture, like the way like we we make magic. And it's through the imagination that all of that is possible. Mm-hmm. So that's a, again, that's another wonderful thing about VYC is it touches on this innate gift within humankind of creativity and imagination through the window of the orchestra, through creativity. But really, we are touching on something remarkably expansive and almost sacred. <laughs> Did you ever have uh, any resistance? Because, I mean, you, you didn't exactly grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth, you know, as a, as a young white male, and often does in, in our culture anyway. 
um, is is encouraged, especially if he is uh, shows some musical ability, either perfect pitch or whatever. Um, but you were you did not grow up in that kind of privileged atmosphere, and did did you in fact ever encounter resistance? No, I no, absolutely not. I think that my parents were very encouraging in the way that they knew how to be encouraging, you know. And as far as like the the privilege, yeah, I mean, I I definitely didn't come from money, but bearing in mind that there are cultures where um, they uphold a tradition of of music, you know, like learning the violin is just a rite of passage through childhood. You know, the, the whole idea of like the tiger mom, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's different cultures outside of just, you know, you know, people who are white, who've grown up with that tradition. There's just a tradition at play where music is integrated into your experience as a child. Um, not just music, but learning an instrument and being the best at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily come from that background where the orchestra um, or learning an orchestral instrument is, um, a, it's, it's just not a priority um, in the same sense as, as some other cultures, yeah. You probably grew up listening to pop music just as I did in my era, which was a different pop music and back in the 1950s, isn't it? <laughs> but... Um, you probably listened to a lot of pop music. What was it that attracted you toward what we might call, well, orchestral music yeah. uh, in a way that would, would uh, lead you to go to a place like uh, McGill University and study composition yeah. instead of going into one of the jazz or pop fields or singing or whatever? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think back to my brain back then. Um, because this this is definitely the sort of question that I think, even like with the previous question that you had too, everybody would answer a little bit differently, um, even if they come from a similar-ish background as mine. For me, the way my brain worked when it came to sound and music and creativity and the arts, um, things weren't things were a little bit fluid, you know. Like I love the Beatles, but that didn't feel that different from my love and awe of orchestral music Mm -hmm. or my love of jazz, you know, or Mm -hmm. my love of, you know, listening to the books or to, you know, animal collective or more experimental groups. Mm -hmm. Like all of them sparked, same thing with art, you know, like I, 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 I mean, I'm not as fluent with visual arts, but there's some paintings that speak to me in all the different um, fields of, of visual art or the, the different genres, you know, whether it be abstract, whether it be a beautiful landscape. So, yeah, bottom line, I, I hear something that speaks to me on some sort of personal level that in some ways feels inexplicable. So I'm, I'm hearing so. a, a kind of uh, lack of of uh, categories here you you love the symphonic music you love the Nothing pop music was divided. the jazz the, yeah. and and there were I all kinds of music of that 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 uh, that spoke to you yeah so I, i'm just moving on after your experience at mcgill you returned to denver right and mm-hmm. and did you start work right away with the colorado symphony or what what happened when you returned 
There was a couple of years where I was working freelance. I just had so much going on mm -hmm. and I had, I felt myself rapidly getting further and further away from finding the time and space to, to play and to, mm -hmm. again, practice that awareness of that creative space that, mm -hmm. again, all of us have within ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Colorado then I, Symphony came into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, was my first full-time job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing you. I was resident with the Colorado Symphony, as, uh, as it happens. Yeah, so, yeah, you were um, composer in residence with the CSO back in the 90s. So mm -hmm. that's when, speaking of 25th anniversary, so mm -hmm. a little over 25 years ago, um, I know that you started the VYC program um, or an iteration of that with the Colorado Symphony a long time ago. So I would have been about the age of a very young composer at that time. So you are already taken by the idea of working with children through, and it was significant that Conrad Keen, who is the founder of the Playground Ensemble in Denver and Boulder and all the areas, and the um, young composers he, called it, yeah. he called it the Playground Ensemble, which attracted me right away. Mm -hmm. I started the the affiliate in the in in the in the uh, Bravo Music Festival at Vail. First of all, I was composing residence there even before Colorado. I, back in '92, when they first started, oh, I really? was composer. In I didn't know that. And several years after that, yeah. Um, and and I was gradually aware of Conrad starting the playground ensemble. I thought that was a significant word. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that after all, that, 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 yeah. we, we associate playground with children. So Conrad was really interested in that. Bill yeah. Gord was, of course, my storyteller. And Bill and I founded the, the, the uh, affiliate of In Vail, or I prefer to call Eagle County, because we, uh, we, we drew of children from both the, the privileged areas of Vail and also the trailer park kids of Eagle County. Um, and in, uh, I think it was 2013, um, after we had gotten going and, and uh, associated with Conrad Keene, that I noticed a certain young woman named Jessica Mays who was working with the children. And as I watched you working with the kids in that era, my mouth dropped open because you were just kind of down on the floor with them, encouraging them. The kids loved you and it was delightful. And I, fought, I thought, oh my goodness, here's somebody that really understands the program from the, from the ground up yeah. and, and uh, somebody that I wanted to work with. <laughs> and I had been, I'll tell you, this is a little history here, I had been uh, stumping Ted Whippard, who was the head, education head of the Philharmonic, for several years. I needed, I said, a full-time manager of the program. I can't do this all by myself because the VYC was spreading all over the place and uh, nationally and internationally. I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. And it was hard because the funding, you know, is, is not unusual here. The, the funding is hard to get. You know, you have to really uh, uh, work hard for it. But finally, um, it came to pass <laughs> that a position of manager was created. Several people, a number of highly qualified people, um, applied for the job. And, of course, I, I harumphed and put your name at the top of my list. 
one thing <laughs> led to another, and you were chosen. If you had any um, reflections or feelings or, well, what was it like coming to New York? I mean, was that, was that wonderful, crazy, difficult, uh, traumatic, or what? <laughs> what was it like coming to New York after all this? Yeah, no, it's, it's actually amazing thinking about the whole journey, you know, mm-hmm. um, making this position a reality and hearing your perspective on that. Um, years before that, this position became uh, a possibility, I had been dreaming about what it would be like to do VYC full-time um, because I, I had this perfect cycle in, in my mind of how I would what what the dream would look like, you know, oh. as an adult feeling creatively stumped and, you know, who better to find inspiration from than from children who, by default, they have this lack of inhibition and this unencumbered sense of creativity and imagination. So to be in the room with them, I mean, you're talking about seeing me when I was a, a teaching artist at that time or... Um, I mean, there were times where I was a lead and a teaching artist at the same time and a musician. Like, I, I've really um, done every facet of VOIC at this point. That idea of being able to interact with the child and find inspiration from them to be able to feed off of that creative energy that they just naturally, they just, it's just <laughs> embedded into the experience of working with the child. And um, in so like through the process of working with the child, finding inspiration in my own world, to maintain that a similar sense of wonder that they have naturally when they go around the world, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're so they they notice so much more than we do as adults, and I just wanted to relearn that just by the proximity of being around them and learning from the child. So that idea of learning from the child in that interaction, and then being able to to digest and practice that sense of wonder and then create on my own. So I wanted this cycle of like being around the child, not exactly teaching them, but guiding them, mm-hmm. shedding light on their innate creativity, but them mm-hmm. teaching me, you know, mm-hmm. to be more in the moment and to um, appreciate things from a sense of wonder and not take things so seriously all the time, which I think we do as adults a lot. Yeah, well, it's, yeah we you have uh, so many hang-ups, and I, I, I'm not uh, yeah. an exception to that at all. And the I tr- like that. I, yeah. I like what you said about the shedding a light on their inner creativity, and that that is uh, that sort of encapsulates the the whole role that we as teaching artists, as as uh, uh, very a composer. Uh, people, teaching artists or, or administrators. Um, but I think the, the next thing that I, I, I want to get from you, and this is a complicated thing, you don't have to answer in 25 words or less, because it had a, an immense effect on my own composing, um, which we don't have to go into right now, but I'm interested in what, it, uh, what effect it had on your composing, were you yeah. able, or have you been able, or will you be able to balance your yeah. own composing? Because you're you're not a you're, you're not just a casual composer. You're you are a major voice already in in the in the contemporary composing world. <laughs> were you are you able to balance yeah. your own composing with VYC leadership? 
that's very hard to do. So in answer to the original question that you had about what have been the difficulties with this shift in life, um, moving to New York, I would not actually just put this on my experience of New York. I would say that um, even with my first full-time job, there's already that struggle there. Um, so yeah, balancing having a life, a creative life, a work life, um, as when you're working a super duper full-time job. One of the promises that I made to myself um, after Colorado was I wanted to allow for that time to reclaim my imaginative universe. And um, what we didn't anticipate was the amount of growth and expansion and opportunities that, that started to kick up right when I came on board. Um, suddenly, VYC was on so many different high-profile concerts and, and programming and events, and um, our, our network of schools that we work with expanded. And um, this wasn't just, you know, running a after-school creativity program. This was, you know, being in charge of a much larger initiative, right? And not only that, but one of the flagship pro programs within the Philharmonic. So um, that combined with the, like <laughs> being a workaholic, I admit that. <laughs> um, everybody on staff is so dedicated to putting in 150% towards mm -hmm. this overall mission of, of um, growing and preserving and growing and furthering the art of the orchestra, you know? Like, this is not just a, a typical nine to five job where people are just clocking in and out. Like, there's a, a larger sense of we are, we are part of something much larger and how can we put in our all <laughs> towards a, a greater mission? And so all of that has, has led to me really putting in my all, you know, into this position and into the mission of the Very Young Composers. So what I'm going to try to do now is try to find some way to find that balance, right? Because I think all of us adults need to maintain that imaginative universe. We need to, to reclaim that, that sense of wonder with, with life, with with all of the elements that, that make life worth living. Um, so this beautiful beast that is the orchestra, and when we sit down and we listen to it, we really get to listen. We really get to hear what that magic is. We're not just, you know, um, dedicating ourselves to a concept, but there is something much more meaningful, much more personal that's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah the symphony orchestra is something which is a major cultural milestone, I believe, and, and as anyone who's listened to these podcasts and, uh, knows that I've said over and over again, that the symphony orchestra is one of the major, if not the greatest cultural achievement in the history of humanity. And, and keeping it at the cutting edge, as it were, of creativity of this youngest generation rather than as a, a relic, a museum, or whatever that a, a lot of people 
regard the symphony orchestra as that. It is a, 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 a up-to-date, on-the-cutting-edge expression of what is going on in human society at the very moment. Now... Well, it could be utilized as a tool for that as well. Yeah. And, and, I mean, one thing that's, you know, beautiful and incredibly inspiring about you, John, is that you have experienced many different facets of the Philharmonic as a musician. Well, okay, as, as, a, as an audience member and a dreamer, you know, as a child looking up to the orchestra and seeing... Yeah, Bernstein at age eleven. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So as as an audience member and as a child dreaming, you know, Mm -hmm. imagining what it might be like, you've also had the facet of making it here and being an orchestra member and being not just a practitioner. Like you are, you own the art in the sense that you got to fill it through your body. Mm -hmm. You had your bass up against you, and you got to learn countless orchestral works from such an intimate level most people can't even fathom, right? Mm-hmm. And not only that, you've, you also have this perspective as a composer. You've, you've had the opportunity to wield the orchestra as this device for self-expression and this, this furthering of, of, of an element of, of of yourself and who you are and presenting yourself and your ideas in that way, mm-hmm. you know? Well, but that wasn't really, it, it turned out to be, surprisingly, not enough. Uh, a, a work of mine had to involve getting more people involved rather than just myself. I mean, I, I had a wonderful career as a composer, by the way. I'm not frustrated at all. I've I've had many orchestras play my works, and and I've been totally, oh my God, some of my incredible experiences with uh, any orchestra you could probably name in the in the U.S. from from Minneapolis to Atlanta to Rochester to Chicago to where, wherever. Um, but I didn't sense an ongoing relevance to the symphony orchestra, to the community, mm-hmm. to the what we used to call the inner city, anywhere in, in the cities and the countries, in the, um, that we had to bequeath this onto them. We had to listen to them. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, soon after you came, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk a little bit about your experience, how the pandemic from your point of view, changed the VYC, which at, in 2017, 2018, had reached this, this pinnacle. I mean, we had the, all these spreads of, of, of publicity. I mean, not just of New York City, but all, all over the world. We had, we had major uh, uh, media coverage. Mm. And all of a sudden, COVID hit. Talk to me a little bit about how you experienced that, that era. You know, this started in about a March of 2020. Wow, suddenly, bang, there yeah. we go. Yeah, I mean, technology. Technology came into play. So um, rewinding back to <laughs> um, the pandemic. So during the pandemic shutdowns, um, we lost our ability to um, interact directly with children in person. And we had to reinvent the will, so to speak. And, you know, that was a huge shift for all of us. But luckily, 
um, even though it, it took some doing to, again, repurpose how we go about engaging and interacting and collecting ideas from our students through digital content. Um, online, we learned that we can actually reach uh, a much broader audience and um, make an impact that surpasses classroom walls, right? So we've learned that with the aid of an internet connection, ideally, um, which luckily most, most children have, they can actually log onto the internet in some way. Children can still listen, they can create, they can share, they connect with each other. And um, yeah, we had a, we were lucky to bring on um, a few of our teaching artists during that time to help us create some content for our, um, what was at that time called our Learning at Home page on the Philharmonic website. I think it's called Digital Resources right now. So check that out. Um, we never, um, usually the Philharmonic website was more of a, a box office and a calendar. And now the pandemic allowed education to become a destination. The Philharmonic page could be a destination for, for schools, for teachers, for students, for families, to visit our webpage and um, see different materials and resources that were being created on the spot, really, by our amazing teaching artist faculty, like including warm-ups and musical explorations and, um, you know, all with the end goal of composing and creating something new. And um, that actually touches on to um, I, a, a much much longer conversation, which I don't think that we'll be able to, to fully tackle um, just in this episode, but um, imagining the future of VYC, um, both locally and worldwide. And so you, you have this, this resource, you have this platform, the internet, which again, it surpasses walls and it has the ability to connect with a lot of people. Um, finding ways to utilize all these different tools that we really were forced to, to learn and to be creative and nimble with, like on an immediate basis. Now that we are all pulling back together, how do we take all of these lessons that we've learned um, from the pandemic, all these different tools and resources, um, online platforms and resources, how do we actually incorporate that into our learning experience so we can reach a much broader audience. So the Varian Composers and really all of our education initiatives in the Philharmonic, um, all of those are really meant to provide a door to the orchestra. And what's amazing about the Varian Composers is that we create not only an immersive experience of music, um, with the orchestra being a, a major facet, like we, 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 in reality, we include a lot of inspiration from a lot of different art forms and genres. Of course, it's not just the orchestra, um, but that is a major facet of it, of course, because this is the New York Philharmonic. Um, we're also meant to be an, immer an immersive form of accessibility to the orchestra and the Philharmonic in the sense that we provide this opportunity for children to interact directly with the orchestra and the Philharmonic. 
yeah, we, we want kids to shape the sound of the orchestra and no, no where we're we, going to. No yeah. We, they, they don't listen to us just yeah. teaching them. We listen to them. Yes. And that's, and, and that's how our future is going to be shaped, I believe. Yeah. I don't know. You, uh, how, how do you envision that? Uh, how, how can we spread this as a general thing without making, you know, this is our program or whatever? How can we spread this so that all children would have yeah. the capacity, the ability, and the encouragement to compose? How can we do that? What's the, how, can, how can we achieve that? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, to that point, yeah, one of our original me- missions um, that I was introduced to with the VOIC when I first started was this program is created with the intention of providing opportunities and experiences, um, especially for those children who otherwise would not have the opportunity. So, again, utilizing a multitude of different platforms at this point. Um, finding different ways where we can come to the child. Like, of course, we have programming on site where we have the audiences come to us. Well, how do we create more ways to actually be out in the community and be in communities where they can take ownership of, of that space that we're allowing them to engage with our musicians and, again, find ways to utilize orchestral instruments and beyond as as a tool for exploration, exploring their identity, um, and exploring where we can go next. So, yeah. The Varian composers, I have always believed, can be a significant, even game-changing force, not only in music education, but in the repertoire of the symphony orchestra and its ensembles, whether classically-based, jazz-based, rap-based, or blues, or whatever, um, whatever form, live instrument-based, I believe that the VYC can definitely have a role in world affairs. Anyway, any final remarks that you feel about this uh, well I mean in thinking future. yeah in thinking about 25 years of very young composers and where you were when you first started and where we are now um, I don't want to discount the fact that this you did create something that did become a worldwide initiative you know like this has um, inspired many different orchestras ensembles um, organizations um, both here in New York City, but around the U.S. and around the world. So really, I think it's important to also celebrate the fact that we've come so far and there is so much to be proud of and there's always more work to do. But really taking the moment to um, be amazed at where we're at and this was a seed that you started and look at this garden that you've grown. (laughs) Thank you, Jessica Mays. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, John. (laughs) 